Um, guess it's just me for the Krishnaris today. No! I don't think so. It's uh, actually uh, all three of us here in uh, good old Washington, and uh, you can tell by my Canadian accent that I've been spending some time in the Pacific Northwest. Christian artist, honoring Christ through creativity. It's usually as bad as our other cold open. My name is Caleb. My name is Connor. And my name is Carly. And we're here with a, another episode of The Christian Artist, uh, filmed live. Not live, but you know, filmed. Filmed. What? We're missing something. What are we missing? <laughs> I don't know what Connor is doing right now. I think I know what he's gonna go grab. Where are they? <laughs> Can you legitimately not find them? <laughs> oh! <laughs> wow, this is a really is, cool one ended catch. This is a great start to this episode. What you got there, Connor? Please Raisins. Oh, okay. Awesome. Perfect. It's not even the right show! <laughs> just, just what we need more noises, more sound. Okay, so we're here with Christian Artist. And uh, what are we going to talk about today, guys? Rest. Rest. All right, well, I'll give you an object lesson right now. I'm making Mickey's face over there right now on the inside. <laughs> Mickey is cringing on the inside over here. Anyway, yeah, so we're going to talk about rest. We're going to talk about the Sabbath. Um, this is something that I've been wondering quite a bit about recently, learning about the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, and just like what um, what that all means for us as Christians, um, what it means when we um, transition from that from that covenant, um, what parts of God's law function in what ways now. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that. But before we do, just as a, you know, slight brief description of what's going on right now, uh, Connor and I and our good friend Mickey, who's off screen over here, um, are visiting the Pinches uh, here in Washington. So that's why we're doing this live. Um, obviously it's not no. live live, but uh, I mentioned in person. In person. Yeah. That's in the person. Word. Yeah. Not pre-record, or it is pre-recorded, but it's not like separate. I don't know what else to say about that. Anyway, but uh, yeah, so we're here and it's pretty cool and we've been having a fun time, but now we're going to record uh, this episode of the Christian Artist for your enjoyment. So Sabbath. What's the deal with the Sabbath? Connie, want to take it away? <laughs> you preached on um, this. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. Um, and it also aired on this podcast. It did. Um, where should we start? Um, well, let's talk about Sabbath and the Old Covenant. Let's talk about what Sabbath was for the Israelites. So, I mean, uh, the idea for a Sabbath was set up by God in the creation week, that he worked for six days, created the uh, world in six days, and he rested on the seventh. There was no reason for him to do that besides to set up a work week. Everything else that we have for day, month, year, is all um, already there in the, the stars, right? We have the day because of how the, uh, because the uh, um, earth rotates around the sun, right? And uh, 
days Earth on its axis. Okay, right. So turn. one turn and then a year, yes, rotating all the way around the sun. And then for the month, we have the, the lunar cycle. Um, but for our week, it's not anywhere in nature. It's just um, the only way we get our week idea from is from the Bible, from um, how God created the world in six literal days and he rested on the seventh. He ceased from working is the, the Greek word, or not the Greek word, the Hebrew word that is used there, uh, to, to cease from working. And so that's what he did, and that set up the Sabbath. And then for the Old Testament Israelites, God gave them a command to honor the Sabbath day, to not work on the seventh day, and to basically spend a day honoring the Lord. Um, yeah, and so obviously we have that pattern given to us throughout the Old Testament of um, the purpose of uh, the Sabbath day, right? The end of the day, or so the end of the week, Saturday, being the end of the work cycle, um, that you've worked for six days and now you rest on the seventh um, as a, um, a blessing to man, right? Uh, Jesus said in, in the Gospels that um, Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, right? It was made to be a time of rest, a uh, time of rest restoration and recuperation um, from the hard work that was done the first six days and then so you could be ready and prepared to continue working another week. Um, and so that was right, provided in God's law as a, um, uh, a, a blessing, as um, a, uh, a gift to workers, right? A gift to laborers throughout the, for every week. Um, so when we transition though into the new covenant, right? What, what is the Sabbath to us as Christians? What do we still view it as? What has, has it transformed? Is it the same? Um, that's kind of the conversation we want to have and, and talk about what that, what that means for us as Christians um, who want to follow God's law, right? We want to um, obey God. Um, and if that means continuing to um, follow the Sabbath, then obviously we want to do that. Um, so, one, but one, one point right away is that the Sabbath, the commandment uh, to honor the Sabbath, um, the fourth commandment, is not reiterated in the New Testament. It's the only commandment of the ten that is not reiterated um, explicitly. Well, like, okay, so it is talked about in the book of Hebrews, but it's not right. it's, it's not, not repeated as a, as a command for Christians yes. to observe the Sabbath. Um, so it, it's, it's in this little bit of a gray area where we're trying to figure out exactly what it means for us as Christians and what have it, it, it um, if, if it's changed at all in its um, incarnation from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. Um, and obviously there are a couple of ways that this... Um, couple of lines of inquiry that we can follow to discover what that means um but yeah what 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 are your guys' thoughts carly um i mean one of the things that we've talked about briefly already is that rest for christians isn't necessarily one specific day that you set aside to not do any work mm -hmm. it's just um we've we've looked at different passages and interpreting them in different ways and tr to try to figure out like which what was the intended purpose um, of the word rest in this passage? But one of the one of the perspectives on it is like, as a Christian, as soon as you become saved, you begin resting in Christ's finished work on the cross, rather than trying to you know gain your own salvation and trying to earn something that you can call your own. We're we're just resting in what Christ has already done. Yeah. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, when Paul is talking about uh, 
Uh, I mean, he's talking about lots of different things in First Corinthians 15, <laughs> but uh, he specifically states that um, he is not doing these works um, on his own, that it is not him who does the good things, but it is um, the Holy Spirit in him. Um, yeah, so it's First Corinthians 15, verse 10, by the grace of God... I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. So the, Paul recognizes that it's not on his own uh, volition, I guess you could say, that he is doing these good things. It is, it is because of God's grace that he is able to do these things. Mm-hmm. Right, so there's a, there's a transformation in the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, obviously, and we, we know this as Christians, and we've talked about it before. I'm a Christian artist, but um, the difference between this, um, of our, what our relationship to the law is, um, right? In the Old Covenant, our relationship to the law as humans, um, even those who are in the Old Covenant, um, as the chosen people of God, right, Israel, um, their relationship to the, um, to the law was one of condemnation. Um, they couldn't keep the law. That was the whole point um, of Israel as a nation. Um, it was a, an example, I mean, a continued example to um, the rest of the nations and to, um, to us as uh, people looking back on it now and looking, reading through the Old Testament. Um, it, Israel's history is really a word picture about our inability as humans to follow the law um, like as we're supposed to. Um, not just not perfectly, but even well. Um, uh, even... even um, consistently. Um, and so obviously Jesus, right, he had to be that perfect Adam, that perfect Moses, that perfect Abraham. Um, he had to be that perfect patriarch, that perfect um, example and follower of God's law. And so when he lived on earth, um, his 33 years on, on, on earth and his three years of ministry, he never broke God's law. He followed it perfectly. He did everything he was supposed to do um, that's what we call the uh, Christ's act of obedience, right? He, he continued to do good works. He fulfilled the covenant of works that Adam failed to, to fulfill and that the Israelites failed to fulfill, um, even through their law-keeping throughout their history as a nation. And so we, we see that there's obviously a difference between us as Christians um, versus the way that the Israelites were keeping the Sabbath, right? They kept it, again, as, as a, because they were commanded to, because they had an obligation to God as their Lord— but they were unable to keep it perfectly um, because they are fallen human beings. They, they, um, they were not gifted with the Holy Spirit like we are, right? They hadn't had God's law written on their hearts in the same way that we have um, as New Covenant Israel, right? As New Covenant Christians. Um, uh, and so there's a difference there um, in the way that we have a freedom, as you were saying, Carly, right? Or in Connor. Um, this, this liberty that we have where we're not under condemnation by the law. And so we can, we have this freedom to follow, to, to, to keep the Sabbath in the way that we're supposed to. Um, and, and obviously we're, we're still working through, um, as we have this discussion, what that means for Christians. Um, but uh, right away we know that there's a different, we have a different relationship to the law, including the Sabbath, um, than we would have as Old Testament Israel. And so we have to view it as that way, not as some sort of like, Right, pharisaical, um, pharisaical. yeah, sorry, pharisaical obligation um, that we're unable to fulfill, 
um, as Old Testament Israel was, but rather as a, um, a good standard given to us by God that we are able and privileged to be able to fulfill in Christ. Um, and as, as Shailen likes to say, we are saved by works, not works of our own, no. but the works of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. His righteousness is imputed to us as Christians. And so as New Covenant Christians, we are, like, like Harley was saying, we're resting in the fact that Jesus Christ has done the works for us. and In a way that was impossible for Old Testament Christ, uh, Israel, Israel to do so, yeah. Um, and, and obviously, uh, um, Hebrews 11 specifically tells us that even people in the Old Testament were saved by faith. Yeah. Saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ, uh, in the coming Redeemer. Um, but, yeah. But they, but they didn't have the law written right. on their hearts. They, they weren't able to partake of that gift of the Holy Spirit in the way that we are today because of the, work of, the finished work of Jesus Christ in history. Yes, and, and also just the reality of... Um, the, the, the reality of, of we know for sure that if, if somebody is truly saved, if they truly have the Holy Spirit, they will demonstrate works. They will demonstrate good works because yeah. the Holy Spirit lives inside of them, um, and their, their fruit is a demonstration of their faith. Or I guess I should say the fruit that, is dem- it is, that, is, um, that they show through the Holy Spirit um, is, a, is a clear sign of someone's faith. And so when we say that somebody is, is saved by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ, like Ephesians 2 says, we understand that they are saved by that, and yet the proof of that salvation is going to produce work. So when we say someone is resting in the finished work of Christ... You don't mean that they're sitting around doing nothing. Right. The, the Bible warn, warns many times against idle Christians. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.14 um, specifically, and especially in the book of Hebrews, warning against... Um, um, being idle. Um, and I would say 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians as well. It's a big one, on admonishing the idle. Um, so there's an obvious point of, well, if somebody is saved, they're going to produce fruit. And so if somebody is um, idle, that's a, um, a great reason to warn them. Um, and I was, uh, 2 Thessalonians specifically says that uh, you, you warn somebody who is idle. Um, but you don't you don't start treating them as an enemy. Um, you warn them and love them as a brother. Yeah. So now that we talked about kind of like um, what the law is, um, what our standing under it now is as as Christians, um, we we have to talk about um, and this is a, a larger conversation that I've always I'm always interested in, in digging into because it has so many interesting implications and I think that we as Christians many times get this very wrong um because we like to ignore it we'd like to ignore it because we don't have a proper view of god's law and the way that that transitions over into the new covenant um many many people right um struggle with um with both um antinomianism and neonomianism um antinomianism being um you know shall we sin that grace may abound right like we we just it doesn't matter if we keep the law because we don't have we're not obligated to anymore and so why don't we just sin? It doesn't matter. We don't have to do works because we're, we're forgiven in grace, right? But as Connor pointed out, that is a sign. If that's your, your view, view of this, if that's the way you're treating this, if that's a sign that you don't have a true saving faith because a true saving faith um, cares, about the law. cares about the law because 
the Holy Spirit makes you into a new person with new desires. And a new person with new desires centered on God and centered on Christ um, will desire to do the works uh, that Jesus did, right? We, we'll, Christ's righteousness, as it rests on us, will seep into us more and more and will desire to continue doing those works through the Holy Spirit that, that Christ did on earth. Um, and so I think it, it's important to, to... And then so neonomianism being right this, this idea that... Um, since since law like getting too enamored with the law where you go back into being this old testament israel view where you have you know it's your keeping of the law that proves your worth right that that this is where your value is found this is where your salvation is found if you if you um and that rules are so good the law is so good that you can make up your own and put them on top of god's law and have even further specifications so you can be perfect when God has been silent as to these like extra man-made strictures and rules, um, that's legalism, right? So we have um, that. That's the problem. The problem the Pharisees had. It wasn't that they didn't love. It wasn't that they didn't follow. Sorry, it wasn't that they followed God's law too well. It was that they thought God's law was a good starting point, but then decided that they knew better. And needed to specify further and further beyond what God had intended, um, and so it had heaped up needless burdens upon um, the people. And so, we don't want to have either of those views when we look at the law. We want to look at the law through the lens of Christ and through the lens of what His finished work did. Right. So we look at the different types of law that there were in the old covenant, the the Israel Israel's laws, right, including. Um, the moral law, the civil law, the ceremonial law, the sacrificial law, all of this stuff, right? Um, and we have to, not, not that those things were categorized by Israel because they weren't, there was just, it was just the law of Moses. Um, but those are helpful categories for us to see the different ways in which Christ fulfilled those requirements given to Israel, right? So we don't do all of the, we don't continue to apply and follow every single law of Israel, as Christians, and there's reasons for those, right? And I think it's important that we know the reasons and not just assume that these were categories that Israel was familiar with and that the moral law was the only law that was intended as an obligation for all people um, because that's not the way it was presented, um, right? This is the law of God. It was God's commandments to Israel, obviously, and there are specific commandments that are just for Israel. But the way that those commandments were given is not, all right, this is a commandment for Israel and no other nation should follow this. Rather, this is the commandment given specifically to Israel as the chosen people of God because these are God's good and just standards. And some of these, command these, these strictures have been fulfilled in Christ in such a way that they are no longer necessary to uphold because Christ's work on the cross and through his resurrection and his earthly ministry um, uh, fulfilled those so completely that there's no earthly application that makes sense anymore. Um, and we can see this in the ceremonial law more, most specifically, right? So we, we don't sacrifice animals anymore um, because Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. We don't have a priestly system anymore because Jesus is our high priest. We don't need another... High priest. And, and so this, this is important, right? Because it's not as if the law went away. Yeah. Rather, we as humans are no longer obligated to fulfill those portions of the law because Jesus fulfills them for us. Um, 
in, in, in such a way that there is no longer any earthly application, um, right? So we, we can't do any more sacrifices because Jesus has sacrificed himself once and for all for all sins of his people. We can't be, we don't need a high priest anymore. We don't, no human can be a high priest because the point of the high priestly position was to be a type and shadow of Christ and now we look to Christ as our mediator, as our only mediator and high priest between us and the Father. Um, so we do not need to do that anymore. But it's obvious in Scripture when we look at the moral and civil law, the, like the case laws of Israel, the moral obligations given to Israel as to what, what was just, what was right, what was good in, in, in the way that it um, uh, handled... Um, moral Justice. disobedience, yeah, moral, moral disobedience. Um, the, those things are treated differently in the New Testament than the, the, sac the sacrificial laws or the dietary laws are, because of the way that they are applied to the, the earth right now in, in, the, in the New Covenant. Because of the ways that, even though, right, and this is an important statement, even though we all agree and, and can look to Scripture and say. Christ fulfilled all of the law and the prophets, right? He is the fulfillment of every single law. It's not that Jesus didn't complete the moral law, so that's why we have to still follow it. Right. But rather, there are certain laws that Jesus fulfilled in such a way that there's no longer any earthly application. But there are other laws that are a, a standard for what God um, wants justice to look like on earth. Right, um, he he has given us certain um, certain um, what's it called uh, certain pictures of his character, right? Of of what he desires human relationships should look like, um, and that is a different category than the sacrificial laws because the sacrificial laws had to do with the atonement of sin, the atonement for sin. The, we don't need to atone for sin anymore because Jesus fully atoned for sin. But how do we deal with sin that continues to remain among the people of God as we continue to be sanctified? And that's what we look at when we look at the rest of the law um, that's still applicable to us today. And we all agree, um, if, if we're you know, biblical Christians, that we still have to not steal. We still have to not murder. Not because we have to fulfill that, because Christ fulfilled it through, for us, but rather as Christ's righteousness seeps into us through sanctification as we become more like Christ are conformed to Christ's image we continue to desire to be in line with God's moral character and so we start seeing these things more and more as um, the way that we naturally want to act because of our love for God because of our love for people because of God's command for us to love people um, and so we we follow those things um, out of out of out of love and, and a desire to, to please God um, now, the trick is, right, because we can see throughout the New Testament that there's like, okay, this law is no longer earthly applicable, and here's why we give, we have explanations for those, right? Like the, in Hebrews, we have the, the, the priesthood, the sacrifices, we, we, we're, it's, it's talked about, this is why they, they're gone, they have gone away, because they were a type and shadow of what Christ did on the cross, um, and what Christ is doing now ascended at the right hand of the Father. But, uh, but, but now, right, we have to look at all of these laws and see, and the New Testament gives us help with this, 
what what things are still applicable in an earthly fashion today and why that is. And we can look at scripture and see, right, obviously these commandments are reiterated. Um, Christians are still expected to love God and love neighbor in the same way that we were expected to under the moral law, in in the law of Moses. Um, We see that civil and case laws are still upheld um, through through such um, instances as when Paul um, uh, commands um, the church not to muzzle the ox before it goes out to tread. And we see that that's the, the, the general equity of that idea, right, is still in effect because it's, it's a good standard given to us by God for how we can live as humans and better love each other. Um, and so these, those things just didn't, didn't just magically go away. Rather, they continue to be standards for holy living on earth um, as Christ followers, as people who emulate Christ, right? Even though Christ fulfilled the law, that, that's, that's even more a reason why we should— continue to uphold the law because we are um, becoming more Christ-like. And since Christ perfectly fulfilled the law, we should seek to do the same um, in the ways that we can, as human beings, continue to strive towards the moral character of God. Um, and I yeah. think, so So uh, 1 Timothy 5.18 is when Paul reiterates the commandments in Deuteronomy 24, uh, 25, 4. So you shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain. That's Deuteronomy 25.4. And Paul quotes it in 1 Timothy 5.18 and assumes the continuity continuity of the Old Testament law with the new covenant of how Christians should act. Um, And it's obviously important to to, uh, note that Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Yeah. And what commandments were he talking about? The law, right? Like the, the, the law, which was he gave, yeah, right. Um, and Christ, and, and I think this is an important thing to remember because Christ didn't give new commandments, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. even even John himself said, "I give you a new commandment," but it's but not it's really not a really new commandment. New. It's just a different way of phrasing it. Like, this is what I'm I'm saying. Like, this is a different application of it because we're now Christians uh, under the new covenant, but it's still the same commandment, right? We still have the same obligation to love God and love neighbor, and and. The New Testament assumes this continuity. Jesus assumes this continuity. The apostles assume this continuity. Um, they don't say, uh, actually, remember, we threw out all this law, but let's keep this one, this one, and this one. Rather, they say, they continue to reiterate these commandments, um, and then they make specific um, specific note of those laws that are fulfilled completely and have no earthly application. Um, but this, you're right, this brings us to the Sabbath as to, like, okay, so where does this fit? Unless you had another point before we get to that. Well, I was just going to read 1 John 5, yeah, go ahead. 2 and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God and we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Yeah. And it's important to know, That's right? That's what I was that, looking for. <laughs> yeah. 1 John 5, 2 and 3. It's important to know that, um, and I just keep seeing this on, on Twitter and, and other places, right? Of people saying like, Jesus had commandments and we follow Jesus. But when you look at the commandments that Jesus gave, he is literally just reiterating the commandments of the Old Testament. He's not trying to create a new system. He is building on the old system. He is renewing the old system and and sanctifying the old system in such a way that it gets it back towards more what it was supposed to be before the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin um, began to add these moral, these other like ungodly strictures upon it. when, when Jesus talked to the Pharisees and rebuked them, he was not rebuking them for following the law of God. 
He was rebuking them for not following the law of God by putting man-made standards above the law of God. Um, and so we have to remember that God, Jesus had a very, very high opinion of the Old Testament, a very high opinion. And he is not trying to, he, he said himself, right, did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but rather to fulfill them. Um, and, and also in, uh, I think we talked about this even maybe just last week, Deuteronomy 13 specifically says that uh, if, a, if someone, a prophet or a, um, uh, somebody comes and has signs and wonders, that the Lord of your God is testing you to see if you're going to follow after other gods. The only reason that we trusted Jesus when he came and performed signs and wonders is not because he performed signs and wonders, because he was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. The only reason we know that Jesus is God is because God said he was going to send a redeemer and this is who it's going to be. This is where he's going to be. This is what he's going to do. And so we know that we're not changing gods. And that's important. Yeah. Why, why was the whole Old Testament written and pointing to Jesus Christ was so that we won't be led astray and we won't change religions. Jesus was the continuity uh, the continuation of God's religion. Yeah. And so Jesus being God is hinged upon the Old Testament. And if you take the Old Testament out and you say, you know, let's just get rid of the Old Testament and trust the New Testament, the New Testament hinges on the Old Testament. If you take that away, the New Testament says it doesn't make sense because everything is 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 dependent upon the law and the prophets. Jesus, Jesus coming is, uh, and, and him being the true Messiah, God says is dependent upon the Old Testament. Otherwise, he's a, a false prophet that's leading us after other gods, and it's a test from God to see if we truly love him. Yeah. And the reason we say all that, reason when we go into such detail about um, what God's law is and what it becomes in the New Covenant is just so we have the proper foundation to, to talk about what the Sabbath means for us now as Christians, because we have that foundation where we're like, okay, well, this is the way the law of God is treated. This is how, this is the continuity of the law of God. But now we come to the fact that, um, right, the Sabbath is the only of the Ten Commandments to not be explicitly reiterated as a an obligation for Christians to continue following. And so we have to look at that and say, okay, well, we, we assume continuity, but there's obviously a difference because it, it, Jeff Durbin puts it like the Old Testament is training wheels, training wheels for mm. how we're supposed to handle the law in the new covenant. Um, because these new, um, because these commandments and these laws are in the you get law. Um, because these uh, new commandments and laws are in the Old Testament, um, it, it's not it's not it, it's not irrelevant now. That that continuity carries over into the New Testament. But, and we have the same laws, but some are fulfilled and some are used in a different way. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, we, we've talked about a few of these before, so we don't really have to go into it as much. But uh, specifically, the Sabbath is one of those where um, we can treat it differently now under the New Covenant. How is that? Um, so, I mean... Really, just for instance, I would I would just recommend a full reading of the book of Hebrews and yeah. understanding mm -hmm. how the Old yeah. Testament equates to yeah. the New Testament. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say uh, Hebrews 4 is where we are going yeah. this, this whole time. 
when we were talking about this beforehand. So I think we should just read exactly what I read the other day. Yeah, Carly, you want to read read that passage? What's the yeah? Read it out of ESV. All of them. I mean, the um, whole chapter. Yeah, we should start even before four. Before what? You just start with verse seven of chapter three. Yeah. Read loud and read proud. Okay. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for forty years. Therefore, I was provoked, provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you... Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But extort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear, hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were, dis but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to, re to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we have believed. For we who have believed enter that rest, as as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in the passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fail by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed in the eyes of him, him whom we must give in count. Since then we have a great high priest who, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our, to our confession. For, for we do not have a high priest who is able, unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I think it's just funny that that it's this is harder for us to do it in recording. Yeah. <laughs> it feels more awkward for us. I, I, it didn't feel awkward for me until you just said it. <laughs> it felt awkward like right away when we started recording, but I've, I've gotten into groove since, and okay. it was only right then when you it's mentioned it. It's weird for it. me to look from side to side, because usually I'm just looking oh, at yeah, the that's, yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess that, that's, that's, a, that's a fair point. Um, I just figured I'd point it out so we can all kind of take it off. <laughs>
You can edit this part part out if you want. No. No, Pinky, probably you want it? No, yeah. <laughs> I don't anymore. edit anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But, uh... Anyway. Yeah, so... <laughs> that whole giantly long passage. Um, there's, there's some debate about whether or not this is talking about um, a rest that is in the future for us as Christians. A, a future rest in heaven. Or if it's a, a rest that you enter as you are saved. Um, and I would say it is a rest that you enter when you are saved in the sense that um, we cease from our works because Isaiah 64, 6 makes it clear that our works are evil no matter what we do. Um, and it's only through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, that we are able to do good things and do good works. But it's not us that does it. It's the grace of God in us which is accomplishing these things. So um, with that in mind... Um, specifically verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Um, so my argument is that it is talking about a current rest for Christians. Because uh, some that failed to yet reach it, right? That's the whole thing is, is um, people who uh, do, have, have not heard the gospel mixed with faith. They did not respond in, in faith to the gospel. Um, they don't enter the rest. And they have fallen short of entering that rest. And um, so that's my argument is that it's a, it's a present rest for Christians in the sense that we are done with our works, and that's a good thing. We, we all want to be done with our works. So, um, and, and just, just the whole idea of like Old Testament. They were, they were keeping the law, and yet they were not keeping the law perfectly because no one can keep the law perfectly. Even um, uh, Charles Spurgeon likes to talk a lot about his repentance that needs to be repented of, <laughs> that he's not repenting perfectly. Yep. Um, and so even the things that you were doing that we're supposed to be doing, we're not doing them as well as we should be doing them. And so uh, we, we want to be done with our works and understand that we get Christ's righteousness. And that's the most important thing is it's, it's no longer dependent on our works. It's dependent upon Christ's work that he did in his perfect life and that he did on the cross and that he did in us um, then as, as Christians. So, yeah. I thought it was really cool to, at least just for me, to read that whole passage from verse 7 in chapter 3 to the end of chapter 5 because it... End of chapter 4. Or chapter 4, yes. Um, because there's so many, there's so much repetition of verses quoted from the Old Testament yes. and just like the same verse over and over again a couple different times, like with a couple different verses. And it's like, it's obvious that this is an important thing that we understand mm -hmm. yeah. because... It's it's so ingrained, and it's like you should probably you should probably figure this out. <laughs> and it, it's 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 pointing so clearly to the fact that we have to relate the Old Testament mm -hmm. in order to just understand what is going on in the New Covenant. Mm -hmm. um, so, with that in mind, and I, I guess Take I guess that the, Andy Stanley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I guess um, what? Well, let's just let's just point out uh, just real quick just the. Uh, plug the Jeff Durbin and Andy Stanley mm -hmm. debate 
on the uh, pro the radio program entitled Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. um, so go go watch that. That's a that's a big help and and you get both sides and so it helps to form an opinion. Um, and that that's just such an important um, two sides of those things and and how we should relate to relate the Old Testament to the New Covenant as Christians. Um, <laughs> I wasn't Mickey, gonna point it out. Mickey, it was far worse for you to do that because I was just laughing the whole time. <laughs> that you just walk over. You should have just walked across the screen. Yeah. But okay. Um. So I guess I guess the point of why we wanted to talk about this is because we're on vacation. Yeah. Right. That's technically the reason why. Yeah. Um. Where we want to talk about this is. What's that? That's what made us think about it in the first place. Right. It's of uh, how how do Christians then treat the whole idea of Sabbath and treat the whole idea of taking vacations? You know, the whole the right. idea of sabbaticals, um, which is which is is from the Old Testament that they would um, work for six years, work the work the ground for six years, right. um, and then on the seventh year they gave the ground a rest. Right. Um, and for for a whole year they wouldn't plant their um, their gardens and they wouldn't they wouldn't uh, work the field they wouldn't till the soil they would they would let it rest for a year and that that is a that is a uh, geological good thing mm -hmm. for the soil to be able to have that rest no they didn't do it at, that with all the fields at the same time they they right they right they cycled out each field right so this field is has six years of work and then one year of rest and then they would cycle them out so that each every seven years, one of them, right, one of the one or two of the fields, right, would, depending, um, would go through that period of rest. Right. So I guess I guess just kind of a, as a challenge um, for Christians is go into the Old Testament, read the Old Testament law if you haven't already, uh -huh. um, because it's it's essential. It's essential to understanding so many things in the New Covenant. And when we refuse to uh, acknowledge the Old Testament law, you miss a huge chunk about not only how to uh, establish a good Christian position as a New Covenant Christian and be able to defend that position, but also you don't know how to live as a Christian as much because the, the New Testament hinges so firmly and so clearly and so essentially on the Old Testament law that you're missing a good chunk of information that you're not going to have unless you go back to the Old Testament and study it. Um, so a challenge there. But uh, the whole idea of sabbaticals, that's where we get the idea of, of um, well, that's where we get the idea of sabbaticals is in the Old Testament with letting the ground um, rest for a year. That's where we get the idea for sabbaticals for pastors. It's pastors will work for six years and then rest for a year on the seventh year so that they have a chance to recuperate because of the job of a pastor is so taxing. Um, and our our pastor. Uh, went what was it like sixteen years or something crazy? It was like something that? crazy like that. Um, before Without taking a sabbatical, a sabbatical and yeah. he took a six month sabbatical, <laughs> um, just last year. Yeah. Or is it this summer? It was last year. Right. So 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 in twenty nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no, he was twenty eighteen. Oh, it is twenty nineteen right now. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's so twenty. Thought it was twenty twenty. For a second there, I guess I did. Okay. I don't know. That was true. I was exaggerated. Yeah. What's that? I just turned 20. There you go. Yeah. I'm just so captured by the number 20. Uh, yeah. So anyway. Um, so how do we as Christians then 
relate this idea of, of rest to into the new covenant um, is, is the main question. Yeah, so, so I think backing up just a little bit before we answer that specific question, um, I think it's also important to look at, sorry, we're looking at this as the moral law, um, like the, this is part of the Ten Commandments. This is given, given to people, right, to love God and love your neighbor. And so part of loving God, right, was to keep his Sabbath, right? Keep his Sabbath holy, keep, keep the day, follow his law by, um, by observing this regular rest period. Um, and I think when we look at um, uh, the, um, well, it, it, it's, it's interesting because obviously just looking at it straightforward, Christians do not keep the Sabbath. Right? We do not keep the Saturday, uh, every Saturday we do not cease from working. That is not a thing that Christians by and large do. There are some Christians who do that. Um, some, uh, the large majority of Christians have started to view or, or did view um, Sabbath, the Sabbath has having changed from Saturday to Sunday, um, the Lord's Day, right? When, when the Sunday when, was when Christ uh, rose from the dead. And so a lot of people were like, oh, well, the Sabbath has just moved from Saturday to Sunday. And now we meet That's, together. Yeah. Well, just, just wait. Yeah. Yeah. Now we meet together, right, to worship the Lord and take our rest, fill up with Jesus sort of thing, right? And then we go back to our work the next week, the next day. Um, so, but we, we have to really look at that and see, okay, is there a biblical precedent for that? Obviously, the New Testament church met on Sundays, right? They met on the Lord's Day. That was, that was what they did, regularly did. Um, but is that a commandment for us? No, right? It's not a commandment that Jesus didn't say, all right, now the Sabbath has changed from Saturday to Sunday. You know, he continued to keep the Sabbath. And so we have to look at this in maybe a different way than we would normally. And I think it's important to note that our... When we're looking at scripture, if we, because our idea, right, is that we want to keep the continuity of the, of the Old Testament law and not just assume that it's all abolished and anything that's reiterated is only true. Um, but it's important to keep in mind the, wealth, the width and breadth of church history and mm-hmm. helping us figure out a proper use of the, the Sabbath law, the fourth commandment. Um, because... We're thinking about it in terms of, okay, the Holy Spirit is in charge of Christians, right? They, uh, the Holy Spirit guides and leads us, leads us in sanctification, makes us more like Christ. And if for the vast majority of all Christians in all of history have not kept a regular Saturday Sabbath, then I think it's a safe assumption to assume that that is not a continued commandment for Christians. Even if we can't find the specific verse reference that's like, and the Sabbath is not used in this specific way anymore looking at church history looking at the the how you know the holy spirit has guided christians throughout all and the just, centuries just looking at the new testament and, and looking at the new right but even even that because i i see i could see how some people and some people have made this argument right that we we have to keep keep the sabbath we have to continue keeping the sabbath like like we it was in the old testament mm-hmm. and if you aren't you're sinning mm-hmm. but we can look at church history and see that and we look at the confession, look at all these things, right? And see that that's not been the case throughout church history. And so we, we, we side with scripture, obviously. And, and, but when where scripture is slightly unclear as to the specifics of this, and you're unsure, it's, it's perfectly okay to look to church history and say, all right, the what, you know, look at the, the people of God throughout the centuries, how they have treated this text. Um, 
to give us a better idea of, um, you know, to, to look at the wisdom of our elders, right? The, the wisdom of our ancestors, the wisdom of, of Christian people throughout the centuries who have looked at these passages and, and struggled with them. Um, and so uh, I think it's safe to say that even though there's a, a small minority throughout church history that has been like, the Sabbath has continued to be Saturday and we have to keep it exactly as it was in the Old Testament, that's not the case because we can look at the, 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 the breadth of church history and see that they haven't done that. And I don't think the Holy Spirit would consistently lead his people to sin. Yeah, right? you would think that if that's something that was really important for God to his yeah. people, then there would be a mass conviction of people that have exactly. the Holy Spirit to keep yes. that. Yeah, and we, we trust the Holy Spirit has Christians in his hand and yeah. he's going to continue leading us where he wants us to go. Um, but so so now we have to look at, okay, so what is Sabbath then for Christians? Like how where does Sabbath fit in with this spectrum of law we have and, and how it's fulfilled in Christ, right? We looked at Hebrews 4 and, and 3 and looked at how, in a lot of ways, right, this idea of rest is fulfilled in Christ because Christ is our rest, right? Christ is our rest from works, as you were saying, Connor, right, and looking at Hebrews 4, because we don't have to do works in the same way that we did. We have no longer have this con condemning obligation to law that we can no never fulfill, um, and so I, I can imagine that a, that a, a Hebrew living in the Old, uh, Old Testament Israel was constantly under this pressure, right? And they spent six days trying to do good work, sacrificing in the temple, trying to follow God's law, and they just needed a day where they, ha they could have rest from that because it was such a, 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 a heavy burden upon them. Um, but now, right, we have the, the Holy Spirit living inside of us, helping us and guiding us. Um, we have the finished work of Jesus Christ, and we can have peace knowing that we do not have to be the, we aren't the deciding factor in our salvation and our keeping of the gods of God's law, right? That Christ in us is what um, the Father sees, not us when we're, he looks at our our works. Um, and so rest, right, yes, of course, right? Like that is like the, the like Christ's fulfillment of that law in the life of a Christian. But we can also look at, and I think this is important for any conversation about God's law, is the general equity of God's law remaining, right? Mm -hmm. Even if Christians do not have to regularly keep a Saturday Sabbath like was instituted by God in the Mosaic Law, that does not mean we shouldn't do it, right? Mm -hmm. Um let's think about what the purpose of that was, right? As you were saying, right, this is where we get sabbaticals from. People need to rest, right? This is a good thing that God gave to people as a gift. You can rest from your work. You don't have to constantly keep working. I want you to rest. This is a command for me, rest. Because if you don't, it will be bad for you, right? God's law is not just about um, uh, God says to do this and so you have to do it and no questions asked, right? He, he explains all over in his law, this is why. Because it's good for you, right? The Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. Right. That was what Jesus said. Exactly. Him. Right. And, and just to reiterate, we did. I, I did teach a sermon on this, so yeah. if you can go back in the backlogs, and, and we're not going to touch on those topics as much because I talked about it in that. Yeah. But that is one of the things I go through is is Jesus being confronted by the Pharisees about uh, gathering food on the Sabbath, mm -hmm. and and um, he said. Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. It is important to note about that passage that 
um, the gathering food on the Sabbath was not something that God right. that was specifically condemned in the Old Testament, right? It, God didn't say, all right, these are the things you can't do on set the Sabbath. He said, cease from working, that, yeah. right? But it was the Pharisees. The Pharisees, the Pharisees had, had added to the they law. They had added to the law. They had made a specific list of um, strictures as to what you can and can't do on the Sabbath apart from God's law. And that's what they were trying to hold Jesus to. And Jesus was like, no. Because that is not God's law. You are, I, I, I don't have any obligation to follow your commandments. I'm obligated to follow the law of God. And the law of God says nothing about gathering food so you can eat on the Sabbath, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's obviously you should, you could, you could be wise if you were worried about that and just like gather food Friday and just be like, all right, I'm not going to do, not going to go gather food. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it wasn't, again, it, right? The Sabbath was for man. It was to help them. And so, yeah, right. Keep it holy by, by honoring God in that. But, um, obviously there were all sorts of things that Jesus did on the Sabbath that were not con- condemned in God's law. Um, because God's law was just like rest on the Sabbath, but I'm not going to like list all these like specific conditions. Um, but right. So, so we look at that and then we look at the general equity, equity of the law. Um, how can we as Christians keep God's standards even if there's not a specific explicit um, uh, commandment, it's like Christians, you have to do this, 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 and that. Um, as we seek to grow in our understanding of God and what God desires, what God loves, what his moral will is for us, we can look at the Old Testament um, and see the good reasons why God instituted these laws for Israel and then we can apply them to our lives and to our societies in ways that will give actual visible benefits because this is the way God instituted earthly relationships and relationships of God to man in such a way that it would be beneficial for these people um, because God is a good God, gives good gifts to his children, and rest is one of them. And so we can, I think, right, we were having this conversation in the car the other day, as we were planning for this episode, and I th- basically the the conclusion we came down to, right, more than anything else for, for this idea of what what how do we treat the Sabbath as Christians, it's rest as you need, right? Rest is given to you as a gift from God. Use it, right? Don't neglect it. Don't dishonor God in that way by neglecting regular rest because then you will do exactly what God doesn't want you to do, and that's burn yourself out. That's works be so focused on works that you don't see the value in restoring yourself and resting and taking care of yourself so that you can continue to do good works for God. Because if you burn yourself out by working seven days a week, you're not going to last long in the service that God has commanded you to do for him. And so a regular rest is a, a thing that is honoring to God because it it helps you to do your works better, right? To continue following Christ better, to be more conformed to Christ's image better um, because you are following this um, good standard that God has given to humans to um, to follow. And, and that's the reason, right, that our societies still today use this general rule, right? We, we rest on the weekends. They're, they're in the, uh, I, I talk about this in my sermon too, the, uh, during, during the, the time of the French Revolution, during that time period um, in uh, the country of France, they... One of the French Revolutions. There were several of them. But right. Yeah. During, during that... Oh, they were all around the same area, era, were they Yeah, not? same general 
time frame. There was a lot of them, though. Okay, well, somewhere in there, um, they're... They changed their seven-day work week to a 10-day work week just to spite God. Um, Yeah, and it didn't work. The people started (laughs) rioting because they couldn't handle working for nine days and then resting on the 10th. Yeah, it's not made for that much work without rest. Yes, the the French were trying to uh, be more productive. They were trying to be... Uh, better than other countries by working nine days and resting on the 10th day, um, but it didn't work. And it, it turns out that God's way is actually the way that works the best. Yeah. So it, it was a period of 10 years, six months, and four days in which okay. there was just regular chaos yes. and okay. rebellion. So, so yeah. So during that 10-year yeah. period, uh, yeah, so... But I, I also just want to point out Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, our, our theology has to have a place for following Jesus is a restful, yeah. um, <laughs> easy and light burden. Yeah. Um, Comparatively, and, I think is the is yes, the idea, right? Yes. Like obviously, Jesus says, like in this world you will have trouble, right? Yeah. But it's the idea that but take he says heart. fear not, yeah, yeah take heart, take heart, for yeah. I have overcome the world, right. right? The idea is that you're gonna go through trials no matter what, but going through trials and work and all of this hard stuff, right, with Jesus is infinitely easier than going through without Jesus, mm-hmm. even if you end up having more persecution, more trials by by um, by following Jesus. Ultimately, it's all Ultimately, for the glory of God, and so right. you are able to rest in that. Exactly, yeah, and 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 it's easier. Like, say, say someone went through the exact same things as you in your life, um, but they didn't have Jesus. It would be infinitely worse for them, right? Because they do not have, they don't have that hope, they, or they don't have peace, they don't have joy. If those fruits of the spirit, right, that are given to us as gifts, um, because of Jesus's work, and so. I mean, this is something we talk about all the time as Christians. It's just a thing that just, I think, constantly comes up. It's like, how do people do it? How do non-Christians handle anything because they don't have Jesus, right? They don't have this peace and hope. Question. Yeah, and it's, it, and it's, I mean, the answer, right, is they, they cope however they can, right? They, this is why people turn to alcohol and drugs. This is why people uh, commit adultery, ultimately, right? It's because they need something to give them peace or hope or joy, and it never really gives them that thing, but they try to cope in whatever way they can by worshiping whatever they can, whatever they think will give them lasting happiness. Um, and unfortunately, right, it's just a continuous rat race for, for, for anyone who's not in Christ because they keep seeking for these things and, and they'll never find it. Um, but right, even even they, right, even people like they can, um, going back to the general equity of, of the Sabbath, right, even non-Christians, they benefit from the Sabbath. They, right, they benefit from... Christian society, Christian civilizations gift to them, right, through God of, or other way around, right, God's gift to them through Christian civilization, that's what I meant to say, um, uh, of this, you know, Sabbath weekend, right, like this idea that we regularly rest on a weekend, or, you know, obviously some people work on weekends or whatever, but this idea that an employer is a bad employer if, it, if they don't give you days off in a week, right, like that's, that's an obvious thing. I think it's, a, it's an important thing to point out for Christian employers, right, um, that it's a sin, you know, I, I would believe so, and then I can point to Scripture to, to show this, right? Um, you're not following God's holy standards 
in not giving your employees days of the week off, right? Like this is a regular practice that everyone abide, should abide by. Um, and Christian employers that don't give them give their employees a Sabbath are sinning against them, right? Because they're trying to um, uh, they're, they're, overworking them. They're refusing, yeah, they're refusing to give them the gift that God demands, right? Like this mm-hmm. gift of rest. And, and um, a couple of things just about the the idea of the day. Um, I would point to the fact that you're talking about Jesus resurrected on Sunday, and therefore that became the Lord's day. It really doesn't make any sense because. Uh, God worked for six days and rested on the seventh in one of the greatest moments of all of history and time, which was the creation of the universe. Yeah. Um, God worked six days and rested on the seventh. And I talk about this in my sermon too, but this, the really the, the greatest moments in all of history, Jesus himself being God rested on the seventh day. He died on Friday, completed his work and he rested on Saturday before coming back before yeah. coming back and finishing out his work which was yeah, yeah going to his disciples appearing yeah. to them and then ascending to the father yeah. so so that the idea that it then changed to Sunday I think is kind of sad this interpretation of yeah. what's going on there yeah um, and but that that is no way to say that someone couldn't take their Sabbath on the Lord's day yeah right? it's it's totally totally what, awesome, I mean right? if, if we're really supposed to not work and rest on the seventh day what do you do with pastors Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just don't see right. how... Right, exactly. It, if we have to have this regular day exactly. the same day, then yeah. pastors never get a Sabbath, right? Exactly. So... So, uh, Romans 14 talks a lot about this idea, uh, starting with verse 1. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes or over, uh, over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Um, so then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. And the chapter ends in verse 23 with, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. I, I think that passage is so important to the sabbath but i think that verse alone is so important to understand from a theological point of view of of um the relation of faith and sin whatever is not done from faith is sin and so if you are you should be fully convinced in your own mind that what you're doing is honoring and glorifying to god Mm -hmm. um you should have peace with how you observe the idea of sabbath um I've heard I've heard some people very emphatically and, and angrily talk about this passage and say, 
This is not referring to the Sabbath. This is referring to, you know, everything but the Sabbath. Um, but I would just I would just look at it and say, well, where uh, where does it say every day? Oh, but this isn't the Sabbath. Right, right. It's it's um, one person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Honestly, it seems very Sabbath specific. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and so. Uh, people will say it's about the festivals and the and the mm. new moon. And I'm sure it was, but why can't it also be about yeah. Sabbath? There's right. no there's no textual specific thing to say that it wouldn't be. Um, I, I guess I guess maybe looking into the the Greek wording on that might be helpful in understanding that idea as well. Right, but um, the Sabbath was considered a regular, oh, not not a festival exactly, but I I, I can't think another of another regular thing. Right, right, exactly. I, I I don't know why it would be considered any differently than. Mm-hmm. A, festival and, and and really i would just say of all the things to harp on you know and in this whole passage talking about not judging other christians in regards to these types of things um that they they belong to god and so why do you need to to judge your brother over these things yeah. so <laughs> yeah but but yeah so i just think i just think understanding that that whole idea is very important. That the the idea of a Sabbath is a good thing, um, and people should follow it and be fully convinced that that's the right way to rest. Um, I think I'd also like to point out, though, just if, if the Sabbath is 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 truly a command, like like um, if, if if the Sabbath is truly a command, just like lying is, you know, people will be like, well. Um, you know, if, if people are not following the Sabbath, you know, they're, they're, they're not following God's commands and they're, they're, then the, the commands of God's are burdensome to them. And so that's then, you know, people who don't follow the Sabbath, they're clearly not Christians. They're clearly mm-hmm. not saved. I would say um, if, if, if that's true, then nobody is saved yeah. because if, if you, you still lie, yeah. you know, you still steal, you still lust, you still sin. Um, your relationship to sin is extremely different now in that you hate it and the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin and you, and you don't want to do these things anymore and you're being sanctified. And uh, like it says in 1 Corinthians 6, your identity is not found in this anymore because such were some of you. doesn't mean that uh, Christians are perfect now. We have in 1 John, if you say that you're without sin, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Um, so this, this whole idea needs to be taken with, with much grace. That if somebody decides that, hey, no, I don't want to follow the Sabbath, they're, they're going to crash and burn in the sense that they're, they're not going to be resting. If, if, if not in, in terms of following the Sabbath of, of having a day to rest. They're going to crash and burn. Um, and so warning them as a Christian not to say, hey, look, legalistically, I need you to observe this specific day and not work and follow um, all these things in the same way that the Old Testament Israelites did because we don't have to treat things like that anymore. Um, because in the New Covenant, we have, um, we have the grace that, is, that, that we have because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. We have and Christian so, liberty. Yes, we have Christian liberty. Um, and that's what Romans 14 is really all about. And uh, so, so, yeah, this, this idea needs to be taken with, with a grain of salt, uh, with, with grace. I think it's also important when talking about, you know, not burning yourself out as a Christian and giving yourself a day to rest, like like God says, is healthy. Um, it's it's also important to keep in mind that, 
Like, he gives us a day, and we shouldn't be overstepping that boundary mm-hmm. and not working. Yeah. Because yes. that's also disappointing. But rest is good. I should just rest all the time. You know, yeah. The, the, because then, then you're not getting anything done. And yeah. That's the, not glorifying to God. The first part of the command of the Sabbath is you shall work six days. Yeah. <laughs> and on the seventh day. And on the seventh day. That's, that's the command. The command is not mm-hmm. take, take one day to rest. The command is very specifically you shall work six days and rest on the seventh. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously not abusing that. Yeah. Um, but but again, we could we could you know say things like things like what we're doing right now. We're we're taking a vacation. Mm-hmm. We're not sinning in in taking taking, day. taking days off from uh, right because we have examples in scripture as you were pointing out right mm-hmm. of the the fields laying follow lying follow for a year and then you have like other examples like debtors forgiving the debts on the seventh year mm-hmm. um, all those sorts of things right these are these are not those are like case laws those are general equity things obviously israel followed those to the letter for for their nation but they are they're examples they're pictures of us of what god's standard is right the god's standard is work regularly but also rest regularly but in this proportion right yes and so obviously if you if you're like wow i've i've been working so much i've had to do so much so much is going on. I need a time to like more time to like rest and recuperate, right? That's perfectly in line with God's standard there of work hard and then rest, work hard again, work and hard rest. and rest hard. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, work hard, play hard. Um, yeah. But, but this idea is right? not like, work and rest hard yeah. and it's not work hard and don't rest. And don't rest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's work hard and rest hard. Mm-hmm. You have to do both in the right ratio. Yeah, but the, yeah, again, there's like a ratio. There's a proportion. There's a balance. Um, yeah. in this and um, I mean, and the proportion is most of the time we're working, right? Don't be lazy. Most yeah. of the time we're working, but take regular times to rest. And and sometimes that's a whole year, <laughs> right? For for like pastors and stuff. Sometimes that's a whole year. It, it just depends on, again, as your need. Right? It, yeah, and, and if a pastor, like obviously Pastor Jeff needed a sabbatical yes. before he went. And he, he will admit that. Um, but the, the idea of this whole sabbatical thing is it's, it's, not, a, it's not a law that somebody needs to, uh, as a pastor, work six years and, and rest on the seventh. Right. Because, because we've translated the ground to be our pastors, <laughs> um, not, and not only that, but... But if the pastor doesn't actually need it, then that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, you could say the same thing for a pastor who does does have a work week. Let's say on his Sabbath something really hard happens mm-hmm. in in the community or you know whatever. And he's and, like, you know what? I don't need a rest today. Yeah. I can go and and, do and this, he's right? relying on yep. the the power of the Holy Spirit and knowing that he's not sinning yep. in this because there's a need that needs yeah. to attend and that Sabbath was made for man and not man yep. for the Sabbath. So uh, this is this is a term of, of, of Christian liberty and, and for, for uh, to, to communicate this in a way that that most people understand this term of this is a gray area. I, I think there is no such thing as a gray area in the sense that no matter what you do, you're either sinning or glorifying God um, in each individual action. in each individual action. Um, and we have an episode more on that, that episode seven. yeah. But uh, but the Sabbath in 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 terms that most people will agree on, uh, this is a gray area. 
there's there's not a uh, black and white formula for every single um, uh, for for all cases in terms of the Sabbath is the Sabbath is based upon need um, and if if we are wrong on that idea there is grace for that yeah. um, in the new covenant as Christians there is grace for that mm-hmm. and that's the whole point of rest in the New Testament is that it's all about grace mm-hmm. I mean I don't think we can end on a, any better note than that uh, that seems like a well place to... I, actually no I do have one more thing to say <laughs> then um, <laughs> yeah no uh, uh, yesterday I was um, trying to share the gospel with uh, two Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, for two hours. And and, and uh, earlier, actually, that morning, we went to your church, which was which right, was great. Right. Um, the the pastor started off in, like, his prayer by talking about rest. And, and on Saturday is when we were talking about what we were going to do for today, which is, which is Monday is when we're recording this. Um, and uh, so... He started talking about rest and how, as as Christians, right, we have, uh, we are resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And when I was witnessing to these two Jehovah's Witnesses, I knew even before going into it, I knew their salvation is dependent upon their works, and they need to hear that the gospel is about resting in the finished work of Christ. And I I definitely hit that hard, and um, I think I maybe even should have hit it even harder of saying, look, I am resting in the finished work of Christ. You you can't do that in in your theology, um, because your your faith, your salvation is dependent upon what you do. And they even pointed to to James two and said, "Faith that works is dead." Like they literally didn't even have to say it. I already was addressing it before he like said something. Well, what about that verse in um um? And I was like, "Faith that works is dead." James two, and he was like, "Yep." And I was like, you know the context of that verse? And they said, nope. And I said, it's not salvation. Um, and obviously, you know, faith um, without works is dead in the sense that a true Christian produces works because of their faith. But we know faith without works is, um, we, we know that uh, it is not of works as anyone should boast. Mm-hmm. It is grace through faith. Um, and, they, and they fought me on that. And I said, do you see how you're ignoring one part of scripture in favor of another? You're saying Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that doesn't matter to us. We're going to focus on this passage of Scripture, and you don't have a cohesion, um, a consistency with Scripture because you have to ignore one passage in order to get your theology out of Scripture. Um, and they didn't like that. <laughs> but uh, and, and, really, and really they just ignored what I was saying then and went to, well, we are, we are you know, including, um, you know, both, both, you know, all of Scripture and, and they went on to more about the deity of, of uh, God and how Jesus isn't God. And to the Jehovah's Witnesses, Jesus is not God. Um, so, so they just kind of ignored that. But, but I made sure to, to hit the gospel on that. I think that is such a huge difference between Christianity, true Christianity, and, and everything else. Is we are resting in the finished work of yeah. Christ. It, it There's is, no it other is, religion that's like that. Yeah, right? it's, it's grace. One of the most famous quotes is um, Buddha's last words were... Uh, uh, strive without ceasing, and uh, Jesus's last words were, "It's it finished. finished." Yeah. Yep. Which, which one is more comforting? <laughs> yep. Um, and Paul Washer, when he, I was listening to a, a Q and A that he was doing with a um, like some college age K 
kids uh, on campus. They're just like Skyping. You should watch it because it's great. Um, you watched it too, right? Yeah. Um, one of the things that he was talking about is, is the story about how his wife got saved after they were married. Um, and he, he talks about it like, like he loves his wife and his wife stood by him in all their missionary work. Um, but one, one, uh, and, and, and like, she was great, right? He wasn't trying to diss her in any way. He was like, my wife was great, even through all of this missionary work, um, and all these horrible things that were happening to us. Like she was amazing. Um, but there came a point where after, <coughs> excuse me, after Paul was preaching somewhere, um, that they, on their ride home, someone was asking her about her testimony, his wife, um, about her testimony and, and she was sharing about how, you know, she had prayed a prayer at one point in her life when she was young. Um, and she just was like feeling in her spirit that it was all a lie. Um, and so she, they like got back to their house and she felt convicted. And so she just asked um, uh, Pastor Paul Washer and was just like, yo, like, um, not yo. I always say, <laughs> yo. say yo when people definitely did not say yo. But uh, she was like, do you do you think that I'm a Christian? Do you think that I'm saved? And he said, I have no authority to say whether you are saved or not. Um, and basically it got to where he was like, you don't need my counsel. You've heard so many of my sermons. You don't need my counsel. I'm going to put the kids to bed and I'm going to go to bed myself. And you work this out between you and God. And um, she spent that night then working out her salvation with fear and trembling. Um, and... She, she just felt that she had never rested in the finished work of Christ. It was always about doing things for her. It was always a lifestyle of Christianity. And she never once came to a place of, I'm resting in the finished work of Christ. And that was what changed for her. And so I think, I mean, I can't imagine, even just right now on this planet, of how many people are not saved because they're trying to do and do and do all of these things when God says it is all about what I have done and you need to rest in that fact and then I will change you. I will do the good works through you. You don't need to worry about um, keeping it up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Carly, you have any other last thoughts? No? Not really. Okay. I think that has been our episode of the Christian Artist talking about Sabbath. Um, that was really fun. Really cool, cool conversation. Uh, I certainly am ready to continue resting mm -hmm. on uh, this vacation <laughs> um, and uh, preparing myself for the work that's to come. So uh, you can find us on Twitter at Christ underscore art underscore show at Facebook at facebook.com slash Christian Artist Show and at our website at Christian Artist Show. Dot com. So that's it for us here on The Christian Artist. We'll be back soon with another episode. I'm not sure when I'm going to release this. I'll try to probably get it out as soon as possible, but I don't probably know. Probably next week, right? I, I'm going to get back on Monday, like late Monday. And so... Okay. So what are we releasing then on Monday? Anything? I don't have anything lined up. Okay. Um, and I don't... Mickey and I will just run it then. I don't think I'll have the time to. I'm, I'm keeping you to that. Though. To edit, to edit this, oh, right. or not edit, but you know, get it all prepared to go up that week. I might, and if I can, I will get it up the week that I get back, so the first week of July. But otherwise, it will be the week after that, as not a bonus episode, but because I'm sure we'll do 
Christian artist on that next Monday. Mm-hmm. But an extra episode through the week that is still numbered. So, um, but yeah, I'll try to get it up the first week of July, but all right. Do you have any last thoughts? Nikki is shaking her head. Yeah. I think that's it. We're here. See ya. And now. (laughs) You gotta do that too now. I do not have to do that. Christian Liberty. (laughs) 